Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. We are continuing the new study that we started titled The Story of Heaven. And I just... People come back to me with very interesting comments after the last session because they were saying how they got so much out of it but they really weren't looking forward to dying and that's not what this is about okay this is not about me trying to make you feel like okay well you know you're gonna die tomorrow I mean we don't know when we're actually transitioning but I'm trying to take some of the sting out of how we look at when we transition like you will hear terms used all the time like the person expired the person died um, the person I don't know what are some of the other things some things people say I have chosen to say transition because basically that's really all we're doing we're just kind of like leaving this space and we're going to be with the Lord it's not a negative thing and sometimes we just don't talk about things we, we just kind of like hear about it but we don't really explore it and the the purpose of this study is for us to do just that. Explore the story of heaven. What is it about other than we escaped hell? Which is what the average Christian, if you ask them, that's pretty much all they know about it or all that they've taken the time to think about or study. And that's what we're not going to do. We're going to spend a little bit more time. Now the last time we were here, you also got to see a video clip. I'm not going to go through showing it to you again because I think most of you were here so you should have really pretty much gotten the gist. But basically what it was preparing us to see um, was Max Lucado did an excellent job of explaining to us that all of us have an exit strategy. And the last time we were here, we actually looked at the exit strategy of Jesus. And all of us know as believers and Christians, who do we want to be most like? We want to be like him, right? We want to be like Jesus. So the point is we could see his exit strategy. And anytime he had one in place, that's also kind of letting us know that what? We need to also be having one in place and we need to think about it a little bit. So what I want you to do is turn with me to Psalm 139, and we're going to look at verse 16. We did look at this before, but I want us to look at it again. 139, Psalm 139, verse 16. And many of us are very, very familiar with this particular verse of Scripture. I'm going to share it with you first out of the Living Bible. Let me know that you're there. Okay, great. It says, you saw me when I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I ever began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. The Amplified puts it this way, your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were appointed for me when as yet there was not one of them even taking shape. I love these, this verse because it really makes you think about the fact that you were valued and appreciated and thought about by God before you were ever even conceived. And I don't think we ever stop to think about it. Sometimes we're just here and we're just going about life. But if you just stop and think for a minute, just 
how much you meant to the Most High God before he even allowed you to be born. The Message Bible says, oh yes, you shaped me first inside then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, High God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. I absolutely love that. So, when we think about that and we keep that in mind, in the video, one of the things that our brother Max said was that we all have a start date and an end date, known only by whom? By God. He's the only one who knows those dates, and he knew them how before we were ever even born. Now, the clock began ticking the moment we were conceived in the womb. Now, that's something when you think about that. Because I think about the fact that my brand, little grand, my brand new granddaughter, who's now two months old, that flew by. Actually, God already knows her end date, but the point of the matter is, as soon as she arrived, she was a brand new baby, moments old, she was already starting to get prepared for her transition. Because technically speaking, <laughs> thank you, because technically speaking, that's what happens to all of us, but we don't ever really think about that. And the purpose of this series too is to get all of us to become just a little bit more mindful of this beautiful thing called life and this journey that we're taking on it. Because I will be the first to admit, we get so busy and so caught up with all the stuff that we have to do just to live and function that we really don't take the time sometimes to think about things. And that's what we're gonna do, okay? So, why do you think so many people walk through this life failing to plan for their ultimate departure? And this is where you get to answer the question, not just look at me and think I'm going to give you the answer. <laughs> Maybe they're just afraid to think about it. Yeah. How it might end. That's a good point. They're afraid to think about it. Now, do you think that they're afraid to, why do you, okay, that's a better way. Why do you think they're afraid to think about it? The reality of death is not real then, in some cases. Okay. Especially when you're young. That's true. You know, that's just true. don't think about those things until, like, you know, a lot of people think that they're invisible. Invincible. Invincible, and they're just going to live on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very true of young people. The young people. Where they really probably don't value life, unfortunately. That's probably why some of them are shooting each other, not realizing that this isn't a game, this is really real. Yes. Exactly. That's a good point, too. So everybody can agree with that, too? Like, some people are thinking that when they actually die or transition, that's it, that there is nothing. You know, like, I, you have, you can sometimes hear people, usually non-believers, but you will still hear them think that there is no such thing as the, you know, hereafter. It's like, this is it. When the person is, you know, you go to their memorial service, that's the end of it. That's a good point. What 
Christians have to share with others, you think, that will help them get ready for the end of life on this planet? Do you think there's anything that we can share? Yes. As far as sharing with someone else to help them prepare for it. same concerns that was mentioned you know that were mentioned earlier about they have a fear of death or they don't know what's going to happen I don't mean the actual final arrangements of what do you have to do with this vessel of clay that's going to be left once you leave but I mean what can we as Christians say or do to make someone feel a little bit more comfortable when it comes to the thought of them actually transitioning or the thought of death I mean, I, I could agree with that. Well, I think we're all, you know, we all are striving, so that's a good point, to try to be led and not just, you know, spout off and have nothing to say. I mean, we have nothing good to say we need to think about. I think that's good. Yes. other words, it'll be a wonderful place. Yes, yes. Okay. So you tell them the story of heaven and how wonderful it is for them to be yes, there. Yes. Okay. Now, do you mention to them that there's anything that they have to maybe do before they get the entrance yes. there? Or do you yes. just yes. let them... Yes. Oh, yes. Just, no, I'm just asking. Yes. I mean, So you do tell them they need to accept Jesus. Like that's their little entrance ticket. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. Yes, sir.
So you get to share that with them so that it kind of gets them to understand the importance of why they need to accept Jesus, correct? That's a good point. I think that's something we all might do. Yes. Yeah. Um, if going to a co-worker or a close friend or something or anyone, I would just kind of share with them what I'm doing <laughs> and let and lead them that way, and then I could ask them whether they have planned for it or not. off-limits or scary or spooky or, you know, the same way that you would sit and tell somebody if you found a great hairstylist and, you know, you wanted to tell them, oh, you should go over there because they really know how to do your hair well or a great restaurant. We don't have any concern with sharing those things. So I think you're right. I think it's very good for us to just be able to share. Now, we do know that Satan would really love, okay, his great joy would be to keep every single man, woman, child, and every one of us as distracted and busy as possible so that we never face our own mortality. I mean, he really doesn't want us to think. Um, and the reality that death looms in front of all of us, because death has always been thought about as a very horrible, negative, just, you know, scary type thing. And we, as believers, are going to be the ones to help everyone realize that you have options. It, it really isn't. And if you're a believer, there's nothing for you to be scared or, you know, afraid or, or anything negative. It's not a negative thing for us. It's just really transitioning. It's sort of like the people who normally sit in the front row are now on a cruise ship. Okay, so they have transitioned from these seats to being on a cruise ship. <laughs> really probably enjoying themselves right now. We're enjoying ourselves here. We didn't make that transition on the cruise. But the point is there's nothing negative about that. And that's how we really should look at the fact that when we're no longer on this planet and we transition to heaven, it's just that simplistic. It's just a transition. It's nothing that's negative. At least that's how I would like for us to think about it. Do you think that perhaps loved ones that aren't saved, if you have any loved ones that aren't saved. I mean, sometimes there are families where we still have loved ones who have not accepted Jesus. Do you think that any of them, when it comes to transitioning, are even considering salvation? Or do you think they're not even thinking of it at all? Not even thinking of it. I just think you're crazy? Hmm. They don't think in terms of uh, living life to the first now mm -hmm. or what's going to happen afterwards. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is, is sometimes challenging for us as believers and 
for some believers who don't quite get this next concept I'm going to share, they get discouraged. Because usually we're so excited and we want to share the good news of Jesus with people. We want to do that. And the thing, though, is we tend to want to do that and expect the harvest at the same time we share. And that does not always happen. There is seed, there is time, and then there's harvest. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that you're going to plant seed and get harvest the same day. And I mean, logically, we already know that. If you go and you plant a seed for a tomato, you don't see a tomato there for some time. You have to cultivate the ground, you've got to fertilize it, water it, talk to it, do everything before you get that first little tomato. But we think when we go and share Christ with someone, they're just supposed to, you know, fall on their face and worship the Lord. Okay, well, I'm so sorry. Does not work that way. You planted seed. Be grateful that you had the opportunity to plant the seed. Now your job is to intercede for that seed you planted. You may never see that person ever again in life, but you are going to believe God that you planted the seed. And since you planted it, time will elapse, but the harvest will come. Now it may be somebody totally else, somewhere else that actually realizes the harvest and gets to see the harvest. But think about this. They get to see the harvest, but there would have never been a harvest had you not planted the seed. So it's a wonderful thing when you look at it that way. You know, but sometimes people, if they don't think of it, they get really upset. And it's like, well, I told somebody and they didn't do, you know, and then they get to a point where they'll come to the next person and then they don't want to share at all. Because it's like, well, I said this to somebody, you know, so-and-so. They didn't receive, so what am I saying anything for? No, keep planting those seeds. It's very, very, very good. Now, if a non-Christian friend or family member asked you, what do you believe will happen when this life ends? They just ask you that question. Because believe it or not, there are a lot of non-believers who really are concerned about that. They don't necessarily want to say it, but in the climate that we're living in right now, there is a lot of uncertainty for a lot of people. You know, everybody is not so comfortable with some of the things that are going on right now. And they do have some concern. So they may ask you that question. It might not even be a family or friend. It could be a coworker. It could just be somebody that you meet on the street. And they ask you that. What are you prepared to tell them? Like, what, how would you handle that? What would you say? I know, that's a tough question. Yes. This life is just a phase. It's not over. It's not, death is not a problem. Anyone else? Is there anything that you would want to share? How would you explain eternity? Because some people can't even fathom that. So how would you explain eternity and your faith and confidence in God in a way that would make sense to them? Yeah, that's a tough one. I know. I like this question. But it makes you think, though, right? Because technically, it's sort of like what we have to try to do. We believe it. 
because we've been studying the word, we come to Bible study, we come to church, hopefully we're opening up the book and learning some things in between those services. So for us, we have confidence in it because it's already here for us and it's left here and gone into our hearts, which is where our belief system is. So we believe it and we're comfortable. But say you meet, and, and this really, if you think about it, can be a family member. So there you have even more of a vested interest, so to speak. How do you explain that to them? Yes. here put it, which I love this term. She didn't know the address to the scripture. In other words, she wouldn't be able to tell you Romans 5.12, which is the address. But she could explain to you that it's important that all of us accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior because of what Adam did back in the Garden of Eden. Now, I haven't given Romans 5.12, which is the address, because I don't have a Bible sitting with me on the train. But I know that to be true. Do you think we could do something like that too, where you can just explain it in layman's terms, where it's really simple? Meaning it's good to do what you're saying too if you get the opportunity. But I'm thinking in terms of sometimes you may not have that opportunity to come back. Sometimes that person may get off that train and fall on the tracks and never you know, have the opportunity to hear everything because you didn't necessarily have the address. I guess what I'm trying to get you to see is it's important to do that. Our counselors must do that. When they sit down, they better have the address or, or we'll have a lot of conversation. But the point is, I want us to get to a point, meaning when I say us, all of us collectively, whether you're a counselor or not, be able to just share with someone, give them the truth of the gospel and the truth of the word, even if you don't have a Bible in your hand to be able to show them, or even if you don't know the quote unquote address of where it is. Because see, that's the beauty of the word. Mm -hmm. If it's hidden in your heart, mm -hmm. it's gonna come out. I can tell you certain restaurants to go to. I can tell you what dishes I get. I can tell you how much it's gonna cost. But I may not be able to tell you the street address for real. <laughs> I'm not from the city, so I might like, well, if you go over here, I mean, I really may not know. But the point is, the gist of what I was trying to tell you about that meal, it's already in here, and I can share it with you. So that's how I want us to be when it comes to the word. I want it to be so alive that we can just do that. Is that kind of like Yeah, absolutely. OK, so that's good. I'm, I'm glad we can kind of agree on that. So if, now here's another thing, because this happens sometimes. If you have a non-believing family member or friend, uh, and they 
it, it's pretty clear based on what they're saying, and we already know that life and death are in the power of the tongue, so sometimes people are speaking death upon themselves, not all the time, but for whatever reason, it seems pretty clear that they're kind of drawing near the end of their life. And they asked you, how can I prepare for eternity and to meet God? Because sometimes you may even go and visit someone and they could be in the hospital. They could be really, it seems kind of clear. You know, like you may hear Catholic people say they called for the priest for last rites because they're pretty much saying that this is toward the end of this person's journey. And they ask you earnestly, what can I do? to prepare for eternity and meet God, what would you say? Yes, I'll start off with Romans 9 and 10. As a beginning, as a start, mm -hmm. you know, and then I just go from there. I mean... Okay. First of all, you have to, I would ask you if That's what I was looking for because I was just about to say, suppose you get some smart aleck little person that says, okay, but I am dying, so what do you mean I've been redeemed from death? We've been redeemed from spiritual death, but this physical body, yes, it may be transitioning. But that, both of those are very good, yes. Discussion. I think it's very good. Also, um, a 
lot of times you may share something with a person, but you're not planning to see. You may be the one that's killing the ground. You may be the one that's doing the watering. You may have plucked the weed. You know, and that weed may have been something negative that they heard. So you can never really find out what level you were at. But I think the, the whole point is that we can't not share. Okay, because it may be the plant, it may be the planting stage, it may be the watering stage, it may be the tilling of the ground stage. We're not sure what stage is that. I think the whole point is that we can't be afraid to share. Yeah, we just have to share because guess what? If they're asking you the question, that means you already know something they don't know because if that weren't the case, they wouldn't ask you. <laughs> so at that point, it, it, it is pretty good. Yes. That's a very good point, and that's a very good th thing that you could share. Yes. with it again. Luke's Gospel, the 18th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 31 through 33. And I'm going to share it with you tonight out of Luke 18, 31 through 33. And I'm going to share it out of the Amplified. And it says, Then, taking the twelve disciples aside, he said to them, Listen carefully. We are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that have been written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled and completed. He will be betrayed and handed over to the Gentiles, the Roman authorities, and will be mocked and ridiculed and insulted and abused and spit on. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise from the dead. Imagine you were one of the disciples who walked with Jesus. And you heard him declare 
things like this with crystal clarity. How <laughs> could they have heard these words and still not realize that Jesus was actually going to rise again from the dead? Okay. Give examples of ways that we hear Jesus declare things with clarity and conviction, but still don't fully embrace the truth of what he says. That's a real question that we can answer. Okay, I'll help you out. Maybe they were just thinking that he was speaking figuratively. Yeah, they were probably thinking maybe it was a parable or something. Yeah, it was something. But that's why I asked the second part of that question. Because Jesus will speak to us very clearly through the word with certain things, but why is it that it's still so hard for us? Why is it that we still almost take it like a parable? In other words, if he says by his stripes, if it's written and will forever remain written, that by the stripes he suffered on Calvary, we are healed, why is it that so many believers have a hard time in being able to accept the fact that healing really belongs to them. Why do you think that is? It's just too simple, huh? Yes. Okay, I could agree with that. Because it does require faith. And we know that faith is what? The currency of the kingdom. So that's true, yes. That goes back to the, yeah. I'm going agree with hmm. But you know what? What I wonder, because I agree with you. I, can, I understand that because they don't want to put that time component in the seed, time, and harvest. But the thing that is a little unusual, if your boss called you into the office and said, you've done such a wonderful job here. And I'm going to put you on a fast track program. And within three months, I want you to, you know, keep doing the good job that you're doing. We may ask you to do a couple of other little things, you know, around the job, around the office, whatever. But at the end of that three months, I am going to double your salary. How many people do you think would go for that? And they would take that three months and they would really pay attention and they would really do a good job because they are believing at the end of the three months they're going to have their salary doubled. Do you think, oh, do you think people would do that? Do you think people would actually do that? You think so? How many people think so? I think so. You would do it? Okay. Now, do you think they would do it because their boss is somebody that they see? Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's what it is? They see him. They're supposed to not see him. Because okay. we have so much more tending to believe things that we see as opposed to things that we don't see. And that's where the faith comes so in. So there we go. So in other words, we're paying more attention to our five senses. Absolutely. So we're doing everything based upon sensory perception, not upon what we truly believe in our heart. The sixth sense. I just wanted to put that out there. Now, in the video, Max Lucado also
also talked about how the disciples got stuck on Saturday. Remember in the video he talked about Saturday was when Jesus' body was in the tomb. And they just kind of got stuck there. But they needed to move into Sunday where they should have looked forward to the fact that Christ was risen and very much alive. How can Christians today, in this present time, get stuck on Saturday and forget we have what we have in the glorious victory of Resurrection Sunday? How? No, how can we get stuck? Where we're really concentrating more on the Saturday instead of the Sunday. Oh, I have an answer for that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe because we saw the video last week. Okay. When Max and Cato, when we saw the video, he was explaining what it was like for the disciples. And just imagine, here you are, a disciple. Uh, they take Jesus. They lay him in the tomb. They've already been told that he's going to rise again on the third day. And in that particular instance, we're going to say it was Sunday. If you really study scripture, it really wasn't. But we're going to go with this. It was Sunday, okay? So Saturday morning comes. And here they're all crying and weeping and going through all of their, you know, stuff. Because, oh, you know, Jesus, the Son of God. You know, we know this because this is what we've been told. He's in this tomb and he's dead. And this is all that they're thinking about. They're not thinking about Sunday morning is coming where he's going to rise again. So as Christians, why is it that we get so stuck sometimes just on the Saturday part and we don't get so excited about the Sunday portion? In other words, what can we do? to inspire our own selves and others to live in the hope and the reality of Resurrection Sunday, not getting caught up on the Saturday of his death. Just like many people, and it really, I always explain it if I see a Christian, wear a crucifix. Because they get a cross and they're really excited because they have this cross and it's a picture, you know, it's a picture. It's the cross, but it, then it still has Jesus hanging on the cross and they're wearing it. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I remember when I first saw my niece do that, I was like, take that off. He is not on that cross. Stop thinking of him in that way. Yes, we appreciate the sacrifice of what he did for us. We get that. But it's so much more than that because he is alive. He is well, and if we can't see that, then we can never see or begin to fathom that he is within us, alive and well. He is not dead, hanging on a cross. That's the key. Yes. I would say that if you don't have a picture of him on the cross, the next to it you have to have a picture of him sitting on the cross. Oh, I agree with that 100%. But how often does that happen? Usually it's unfortunately kind of like not that way, right? That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. 
and, and near to the fact that he must be alive because of all the things that he's done in your life. That's why, again, you will always... Right, I agree with you. I think that's great advice. I think that is something we could all do, which is why you always hear me say, I think we should all have, what, gratitude journals. Because if you have a gratitude journal, and I know we don't have a lot of time. I mean, I'm not, you know, I know we're not all just sitting around eating bonbons and have nothing to do but writing our gratitude journal. I mean, I get that, okay? But I real, you know, even if it's one sentence that you write, even if you can't do it daily, do it weekly. Just write one sentence. It helps you so much to be able to go back and look at, oh my goodness, look at what the Lord did here. This week when I thought I wasn't going to make it through, look at what he did. Or when I had no idea how I was going to meet this particular bill, I really had no idea. And look at what he did. You can go back and look on that. And those are our experiential building blocks. And it helps us to grow. It inspires us and it keeps us lifted to continue on with the journey. So I agree with you 100%. That is definitely something that we can do. And again, if you don't have a gratitude journal, if you have a phone, you can write it on your phone. I mean, you don't even have to go get a book if you don't want to. I promise you, it'll be something that will help you tremendously. Wow. Okay, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 12 through 18. In reference to the resurrection of Jesus, his bodily resurrection, I'm going to read this to you because it's actually a quote from Max Lucado, and I want you to think about it because it's very powerful. It says, the bodily resurrection means everything. If Jesus lives on only in spirit and deeds, he is but one of a thousand dead heroes. But if he lives on in flesh and bone, he is the king who pressed his heel against the head of death. So it gives you a totally different way of looking at it. So that is so, so important. So in 1 Corinthians, looking at verses, the 15th chapter, looking at verses 12 through 18, I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. Now, if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how is it that some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. It's useless, amounting to nothing. And your faith is also vain, imaginary, unfounded, devoid of value and benefit, not based on truth. We are even discovered to be false witnesses, misrepresenting God, because we testified concerning him that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and powerless, mere delusion. You are still in your sins and under the control and penalty of sin. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Why <laughs> is absolute confidence in the bodily resurrection of Jesus so critical to the Christian faith? This 
Okay. Why is absolute confidence in the bodily resurrection of Jesus so critical to the Christian faith? Because I really had already given you the answer before I asked the question, okay? Because, yes, that's the whole point of what we just read here, in that if we don't believe that, then we're all kind of like delusional, and we're just on a little happy ride somewhere, okay, where we're not understanding what is going to happen, because you're right. If he did it for him, he's also going to do it for us. Why? Because we are joint heirs. Why? Because we are heirs of the kingdom. Why? I mean, we could go down the list of all the different things. So, yes. this I'm going to get done, but I'm going to try. We're going to look at verse, in verse, chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read verses 51 through 58. And it says, listen very carefully. I tell you a mystery, a secret truth decreed by God and previously hidden, but now revealed. We will not all sleep in death, but we will all be completely changed, wondrously transformed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet call. For a trumpet will sound and the dead who believed in Christ will be raised imperishable and we will be completely changed, wondrously transformed. For this perishable part of us must put on the imperishable nature and this mortal part of us that is capable of dying must put on immortality which is freedom from death. And then this perishable puts on the imperishable and this mortal puts on immortality this is wonderful. Then the scripture will be fulfilled that says death is swallowed up in victory, vanquished forever. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin by which it brings death is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than is needed, being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion, in the Lord is not futile nor wasted. It is never without purpose. So how does the resurrection of Jesus and our assurance of eternal life through faith in his name impact our lives today and forever? Okay, that's a question. <laughs> okay. Well, my time is up. <laughs> but I got to tell you something. I am so blessed by all of you. Participating. I know I have grown from 
the things that you've shared, and I believe all of us got something else from what everybody shared. Would you agree with that? Yes. So I thank you, literally, from the depths of my heart. I think this was a good conversation. And I thank you. So now next week when we come back, we're going to, I'll ask you a few more questions, but we're going to get into the graduation to heaven. And we're going to talk about that. So I think that's going to be really, really interesting too. But I really do. I thank you so much because you really did step up and you just shared. And I really appreciate that. It makes this, it makes it worthwhile because we all get to really talk about it. So thank our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.